0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Liverpool Groove. I'm Quinny. I'm Jay. Got a lot to go over today, so I'm just going to jump straight into it today. Uh, But we want to start with the unfortunate sad news of the passing of Ray Clemens. Um, Just complete out of the blue for me wasn't it? I wasn't expecting it and such sad news to see um, yeah it's sad lads uh, I knew he was ill
1: um, I've seen a lot of things about him a few weeks ago when the mural went up about him right he showed um, it is sad you've seen a lot of the legends talking about him and he was one of the one of shankleys and paisley's greats wasn't he so another sad day for the club and can only give our thoughts to the family right
0: yeah Absolutely. Um I mean my, my dad still says he's the best goalkeeper he's ever seen, bar none. Um and I think Yeah, my dad
1: says the same lad.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people a lot of people from that generation would say the same thing about him. Um he was just a he was just a huge figure at the club and he's gonna be best. I'm glad he's got to see the or that got put up about him. I'm, I'm glad he's got to see that. Um, yeah,
1: he's well, he's immortalised now, isn't he?
0: And rightly so. Around forever,
1: everyone
0: will know Ray. So it is. It's sad. Yeah. Um, just. And on. Um, I know. Um. Did I've just been watching before we went live the uh, tribute the club have put out for him and it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go and give that a watch. Um. It. I'd say really good. the even touch on his his first time going back to Anfield with Spurs and the, the reception he got from the cop and I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um. From the cop in no, um... my life.
1: Even the way he's like he's willing it,
0: isn't he? He's cheering yeah. it. And yeah. it's
1: it's fantastic to see. Um yeah, it's it's horrible when you see the great the great but He's back with Chank and
0: Paisley now. Yeah. Um so yeah, again, thoughts with raised family and uh rest in peace. Rest in peace, right. So we're going to start with the City game uh, for the first proper topic the, of the podcast today. So, um, decent result in the end, I think. The, the one-all, I think. First half, we were brilliant. We were pressing really well. I think, you know, City really, for a lot of it, couldn't get needles. Um, and then second half, it kind of just capitulated a little bit. He just didn't seem to have that same energy. Second half, um, it was... It was Really was a game of two halves. As, you know, as cliched as it is,
1: it was. And to be fair, even the second half, when we weren't at our best, I didn't think City were much of a threat. Um, we didn't look, we didn't look like we were going to concede again. Really, um, the first half, they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think the injury to Arnold has affected our game quite a bit um, going forward. So I think we've got to be a bit more cautious. I've seen quite a few people saying it was a defensive setup. I, I, I can't get my head around that way. It was defensive. Played with four attackers. <laughs> and they were played as four attackers. They didn't have Firmino centre defensive mid. We played with four attackers. Yeah. Um I thought, I thought we played well. Lad. Going going away to Man City. Um, I've always said it the, the, the top four, you've got to get a point away and win your own games and you win the league.
0: Um I think that's that's a point for us and two points stop for them. Yeah, I think they would have needed to, to make a bit of a statement against us. You know, they haven't looked they haven't looked good really since the since they won the league last. They didn't look good last season really in many in many spells at all. And so far they've carried on this season the same. You know, the defence that they've got looks a bit more secure, but I still think, you know, the way we the way we got in to win the pen for the goal was still so easy. Like we cut through them. So I still don't think they're gonna be a major as major threat as they should be this season, personally. um, It's obviously going to rest on how well we cope <laughs> with like some of the injuries. Yeah, I don't
1: think they were that great last season, and I think they've started the same. I don't think they'd be, they're would be. they obviously going to be a threat because they're a dangerous side, but I don't think they're, they're ever going to reach that that level they, they were under the Guardiola when they were winning things. I think we'll win the league again, as I've said a number of times. I think we'll win it on low-level points, like 75-80 points, but I still think we'll piss the league. Um, we've just got to, obviously, we've got our own worries at the moment. We just gotta hope, hope we get a bit of luck soon.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned Trent going off, um, which was a blow. Um, and like you said, I think it affected our game a bit. I think one of the other things that did affect us a little bit, which I suppose is with the way he's been treated in recent weeks, if you like, it's a bit of a surprise. Is, I think we looked a lot, you know, a lot late, not lazier, but a bit more lethargic when Bobby went off. I think as soon as we went off, the dynamic of our of our play changed completely, which goes to prove I think how important he is to the team.
1: Yeah, again, he doesn't seem to. He, I just wish he was. Um, he played in obviously in the front four. I just want to see him playing centre midfield. I just don't think he's got. He just seems to have lost his goal instinct. Where he wants to pass the ball and get in the box. He's not bombing forward. He's not looking like any having any interest in shooting or even going towards goal. He just wants to pass, and that's absolutely fine. But he can't be playing in a in a front three or four when you when you don't want to shoot or score. Yeah. So I understand he is working his ass off. He. he, he he hasn't had a lazy game where he doesn't run. He's still being creative, but he's, he's not attacking enough for me at the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, with, with the way with the injuries are sort of piling up at the minute, Bobby in midfield might, you midfield know, might not have a say in no the matter. <laughs> <laughs> he might, might just have happy. to see it anyway. Um, <laughs> but, as I say, Trent going off was a blow. Um, it, it's obviously a question now. Who comes in to replace him? Do we trust Nico or... I've seen a lot of people saying um, get Milner in there Um, which I think would be a bit of a shame because I think this season especially we kind of, well me personally I wanted James Milner to have that sort of freedom of playing in midfield where he's he's comfortable at the age he is rather than covering for a right back or a left back whose style is completely different and changes the whole dynamic to our team so I'm a bit gutted that we might have to go down that route but we know, he, we know he's going to do a job if we put him in there, so I suppose you've got to go with the reliability of him. But As much as I agree, I think Nico Williams
1: playing right back, for me, Um he's in the squad for a reason. He's, he's behind strength for a reason, but it's, it's times like this, you should be getting a chance. If he's going to play a center midfield player ahead of Nico Williams, then it doesn't say a lot about Williams. So, personally... I agree that you need Milner in the side to like shore it up in that, but I'd start Nico Williams and I'd have Milner in midfield, and I'd, I'd possibly go for a more defensive approach with the midfield. So you've got Milner and Henderson helping out at the back a bit more, but Nico Williams, for me, has got to start. If he was fit, would you start for over Nico Williams right back? No, no, I don't see the point. Um, the way things are going at the minute Fabinho was nailed on centre half really mm. um, it's, it's hard lad because you look at Phillips' performance the other week and he was absolutely spot on he was disgusted didn't he yeah. and he, he
0: looked like the senior player so, um, and Rhys Williams in the in the Champions League game after it so t- I think if you
1: can keep Matt I think you're looking at now Matt I don't think Matt and Fabinho are going to start centre half together it's going to be one of them Mata will be injured in a, in a week or two anyway. You know what it's like. He's injured every few weeks. Yeah. Um, so then you've got. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna rotate Phillips and Williams, and Mata and Fabino and try and keep them all fresh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Keita's back, isn't he? Thiago's back. Yeah. Anderson's there. We've got Ronaldo. So we've got enough midfield We've got five midfield options at the moment. So yeah, I'd rotate that back. That um. Four centre halves, I'd rotate
0: them. Yeah, obviously, you know the one one well, man we didn't mention it is uh, Obviously, Joe Gomez injured on international duty, um, which we all love internationals, so can't grumble too much about it, can we? I <laughs> hate um, Yeah, it's one of them. It's it, it. I put again. I put it on Twitter. um, You know. It could have this could have happened at any time. There was, according to Gareth Southgate, there was no one near him, and it's obviously the way he's he spun or something, um, whatever's happened. But it, it's not been a challenge, which has caused it So this could have happened in Liverpool, saying, and in fairness, um, yeah, totally. And I think what's fortunate for this injury is it's not the ligaments are not damaged or anything like that. There's absolutely no damage to the ligaments. Um, Just a tendon, yeah. So obviously, still still a significant injury for him. Um and it's a shame because I think he was slowly starting to come into his own as, as kind of that that lead centre back while Van Dyke's injured because realist I don't think he's really put a foot wrong since Van Dyke's been injured. Um so I oh, think it's a shame for him.
1: I I'm not as big as a fan. I, ne- I never want to see a lad get injured ever. Uh, but I think I don't think he's been great. I think he, he stepped up to the plate. More than they expected when Bandai got injured, um, but even that, like the like the West Ham, the goals is fault, mm. stuff like that. He's just making basic headers. Um, this isn't going to help him by any means, but some things that are, are meant to be. And I think the likes of Phillips, who is about a week away from leaving, is still here. I think it's time for him and Williams to step up, and maybe just maybe they might do what we what we've needed since it half because we've been shaky for
0: months. Yeah, possibly, who knows um, I'd say, and you know, maybe He's, he's going to be in with Van Dyke Day in, day out now You know, they're going to be rehabbing together I'd imagine um, So, I mean, I think in a, in a strange sort of way That's going to benefit them as well Just being in and around Van Dyke On a daily basis In close quarters You've seen it before With players who've been injured Quite a bit When they've been getting a lot of treatment together they become really close And it, it kind of helps them When they get back on the pitch, I think who was it? I think it was like, was it Lallana and Oxlade-Chamberlain or something like that? Become really close when they were getting treatment for injuries. No, uh, every week, Lallana and Ings as well. Ings was always injured, weren't he? Yeah. So, um, i say in a strange way, it could benefit Gomez. Oddly. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it's one of them. It's it's the same with Van Dyke. It's a terrible injury and you might never recover from them because it's, it's a scary thing to do. as you unique. Yeah. But, the two of them being together on a daily basis, although you no know, footballs are going to be kicked, they're going to be, they're going to be interacting. They're going to be learning together. Um, they, they were so strong together when they first partnered up, and it, I just don't get where it went wrong a bit. Um, they just they just seem to be like a lack of trust. And as I pushed on, all of time, Raúl Gomez seems to cover right back quite a lot for Arnold because yeah. he did not get back then Van Dijk sort of covering both centre-half positions. Um, uh, so you don't know whether it's a positional problem, I don't know whether it's a tactical problem, or just like a, a lack of confidence between Gomez sometimes, but hopefully he comes back stronger. He's young, how old is he? 23. 23. Yeah, he's still doing. So he's 23, he'll get over it. Hopefully he comes back stronger, and he becomes the player that we all know he can be, because as you know, he, he can be fantastic. Yeah. But
0: he, he's got a mistake in him. Um, I don't but, think he's ever fully recovered from like when he fractured his leg against Burnley, to be honest with you. I don't I'm think
1: just, he's... It, he hasn't pushed on as we expected. And then he had that season with Van Dyke where we were saying, like, it's a, it's, it's this could be up there at like one of the great Liverpool partnerships at centre half. It's, it's fantastic. And then it just stopped. <laughs> yeah, And then it just seemed, but. It just seemed like it was just Van Dijk on his own, covering, like sweeping up from everyone. And as I say, Gomez is in in a position where he's having to help the full-backs. So
0: that couldn't play a massive part of his errors, you know what I mean? Yeah, He's playing two games. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like we said last time out as well, I think not having Van Dijk there, you lose that sort of bit of confidence that there's someone there to, to pass out or play out. So maybe if it's if we do end up going with Williams and, and uh Phillips together, you know, we're gonna get that kind of no nonsense defending where they'll get the ball, they'll either give it back to Allison or they'll get it. Um uh, which is what we're gonna need for the time being until we've got a sort of more recognised figure back there. Um yeah.
1: well I was saying that to me R fellow like I said like Matter will bring the ball out like Van Dijk. He's competent on the ball he, he he'll go forward, he'll go on little mad runs and that yeah. Um, and the others, Williams and Phillips won't. So I think that's perfect in a, in a defence. One who'd just volley it, get rid of it, like a carrier, and then you footballer. Yeah. So fingers crossed, we don't get any more injuries, lad. I've just heard today that Robo might have done his hamstring, but I don't know whether it's precaution or genuine.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I th- I've seen that myself. And when it first got reported, they were saying he's a doubt for the Scotland game. And then. He's now not playing, so I'm hoping it's just a precaution. It's the last thing we need. So with the with this sort of defensive crisis almost that we've got at the minute, um, there's been obviously rumours. Obviously, I mean, there's always players linked with Liverpool anyway, but in the last sort of week or so, there's been obviously rumours of free transfers coming in, who we're going to get in January, things like that. If we were going to go down the route of, of bringing somebody in, Would you rather us bring somebody in now on a free, or would you rather us do a bit of homework on someone and and spend money on them in January? Both.
1: Personally, I think I want want to see the kids playing. I want to see Phillips and Williams get as many chances as they can and be able to say, right, they're going to make mistakes. You've got to understand it. The young lads, they haven't played in a team like this before. It's going to happen. You've got to take it on the chin. So far, they've been spot on. I want to see them get a chance, but we need we need backup just in case they do have a few blips and the the wheels come off a little bit and their are goes basically. So yeah, we need a bit of experience in there. It's it players like like Thiago Silva that Chelsea got. Mm. It's players like him with the experience and the age in them that we need to be looking at it for the crisis. But I think in January. We need to then be looking at someone who could replace Gomez or play alongside Van Dyke, okay. or, or yeah, someone who's going to be, who's going to make us an absolute unit. Um, not not to say replace Gomez, cha- say challenge Gomez in the future, but you need someone who's going to come in in January. Van Dyke and Gomez aren't going to be there, so we need a, we need a centre half who's going to start every week yeah. playing centre half. So yeah, I would definitely bring someone in now the age of experience, and look to buy someone in in January.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I agree for what it's worth. Um, I mean, with the free transfers I've seen linked, it's it's been a it's been Ezekiel Gary, who was I think he was at Real Madrid for a little bit. Um, he was at Valencia, so he's got he's got experience, good experience in La Liga. Um, I think he's about 33 34 now, so he's, he's a decent age for the centre back. Um, the other one I've seen linked is Daryl Yamat from Watford, who's on a free transfer. Um, I think what what appeals about him is he can play, play right back and centre back. Um, he's got Premier League experience, he's, he's I think he's 31, he was a Dutch international for quite some time, so. It's not, it's not. the best. They're not again. You know, they're not the best signs in the world. But like you say, they're, they're kind of out of necessity at the minute. That if if these if the kids and stuff do have a bit of a blip, as you say, that you've got a bit of reliable backup to come in and and play a few games and get us to January. I think that's the key at the minute for me. We've got to get to January on un, relatively unscathed. Um, yeah. If we get to January and go out and get a proper top class centre half for a good feed, Then I think we'll be sound.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes the players you buy or you get on freeze. Did you become, look, look at Milner, they become shrewd business and they become some of the best business you've ever done. You've just got to gotta back them in the wages. But um, the two you've said, I only know the Waffle player, don't know much of them, but I would always choose ex- um, Premier League experience over anybody, really. But it's, just, it's, it's one of them, lads. You've just got to get something done if we can. We've got, we've got no other option really. No, we haven't got many other options. So if we can get something done now, I've I've seen us apparently meant to be appealing to the Premier League to see if they let us buy someone. Um, to do transfers because because it was international duty or something. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh. So, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd definitely look at getting someone in as as soon as possible. Like the quicker the better, and have a have a plan for January.
0: Right. So moving on, Um let's move away from the defence and talk about a not necessarily an injury, but uh, Salah's tested positive for COVID, which is exactly the news we all wanted to hear this weekend. Bad uh, enough, doesn't it? It's just not surprise me anymore. No. Um. Now I've seen. I've seen a lot of people slating him on social media and stuff like that because he was at his brother's wedding and stuff like that. Um, from what I've, from what I I understand, and it's not much in fairness, but from what I gathered about the the laws and stuff with it in Egypt, having a wedding like that isn't against the sort of COVID rules. Having a gathering like that isn't against their rules. If he's got the wishes, if he's if he's sort of cleared it with the club cleared it with his national team. It's one of them. What What can you do? For all we know, we could have caught it on the plane over there. You know, 90% of they dickheads slating him were at Anfield when we won the league. Yeah. So,
1: at the end of the day, his brother's getting married. He's, he's going to be there, whether you like it or not. It's just one of them. If their rules state that he can go, then he's gone. He's done no harm. Um, he's done more harm to himself by catching COVID. So, yeah. unfortunately, we might be without a player against Leicester. But, it's just,
0: just one on the list, isn't it? He'll get over it? At the, it's one of the, it's, at the minute, it's the way the world is. Way, as I say, he could have caught it on the plane over. He could have caught it in training with his national team. There's nothing to say that. He's definitely caught it at, the, at this wedding. Yeah, maybe it is a bit sort of the wrong decision to go. But at the same time, like you say, it's his brother's wedding. If it, if, if the shoe was on our foot and it was your you know, one of your family members' weddings or something like that, you're not going to I it. wouldn't be going, lad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a, a lot of people are going to be, you know, are going to go, so I, I'm... It's one of them. He could have caught it anyway. He could have caught it in there. Tesco, lad, when, when some gobsites leaning
1: over the back of him to get the cereal off the top shelf. That's yeah. what it's like. The rules are shit in this country alone. This city is shit. It's all shit, but people aren't listening to the rules. The people who are listening to the rules and abiding by them are catching it off people who aren't. So it's one of them. You stand two metres apart in the shop, and then you go to the till and someone walks past you to get out before fucking... Because they haven't bought anything. They're just squeezing past you. So it's just stupid, lad. He could have caught it anyway.
0: But again, he could have caught it on his way home from anywhere. It's just pathetic. Not even asked. No, I'm, I'm not myself. But with that in mind, I think the one question that it, it's something I've said, and it's a question I want to ask you. So right now, do you think international football should be happening while there's a global pandemic on? I know we're not big fans of international football anyway. I'd happily sort of get it full stop, except for World Cups, because they are quite fun, let's be honest. Um, but right now, do you think international football should be happening? Uh, personally, would like
1: international football to be stopped forever. Anyway, I think it's pointless. But right now, you shouldn't you shouldn't be t- traveling anywhere outside your country. I don't think European Cup should be going on. Like, look look at Atletico Madrid coming to Anfield and then send two thousand fans. One of the highest rates of COVID on the planet was Madrid <laughs> at the time, and they sent two thousand people to Anfield to give it to us. So, even though there's no supporters in the grounds, there's still people in them places. So, they're like, was it Denmark we were meant to play? Oh, yeah, uh, midgetland
0: isn't it? No, 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 sorry, England. Oh, oh right, no, so they're playing Iceland in a, in a couple of days, but Iceland have just played or are playing Denmark today. so so
1: whoever England were meant to be playing there's been like an outbreak of coronavirus because of mink or something
0: yeah yeah so because Iceland were travelling to Denmark basically what it was is saying Iceland weren't going to be allowed into the country into England to play England but the government have given them special exemption now to be allowed into the country but it's because they've been to Denmark so they would have had to quarantine for two weeks if they were coming to the UK kind of thing or they just wouldn't have been allowed in but footy players are sound to do it Only with this, this is the only exemption. At first, there was no exemption for it whatsoever. So, touching on that, the reason I said Midgetland is because I've seen rumours that we might have to forfeit our game against Midgetland because we wouldn't be allowed to travel to Denmark to play it because there'd be no exemption.
1: Oh, so we'd have to forfeit it. That's uh, a a, a rumour I've seen, yeah. You know You shouldn't be. if, If you can't go on holiday in Europe, you can't travel to Europe to play a game of footy, whether you like it or not, whether it's your job or not. The end of the day, you can It can't be done. So, just scrap. Give us, give us the European Cup. Okay. <laughs> no, honestly, lads, I think they uh, need. They need to scrap the European Cup for a bit, at least delay it, and all internationals. You're getting players going. These internationals as well. It's just pointless. Some of them are pointless games. Yeah. It's absolutely pointless They're just over over hype
0: friendlies, aren't they? Some yeah. of them. So I'm I just, mean. Um, Back the other day, like England, England, Ireland, that's one of them. I suppose you can get away with something like that, even if it was like England v Scotland and stuff like that. If they're so intent on them, just just do a load of home nation games, kind of thing, and then it's not as bad, you know what I mean? But it's just stupid having international football now. Like you've got, I've just seen it, it just popped up on my phone while we were doing it there. Mane scored against uh, against Guinea, so you've got Manny and and Kate have gone all the way to Africa to play a friendly against each other or to play whatever against each other but it's just like but why like you said if nobody else is allowed to travel what? why are they so why are football players so different just for a game of footy Um, it it's do- not even like it, Like it's not even like it's a
1: job like the Premier League is the fixtures have to happen yeah do you know what I mean? These are friendlies. These are practically friendlies that you could just cancel. There's no money lost or gains on it because there's no fans. So you understand if you've sold 60,000 tickets for, for a game and for a friendly, say, for instance, England versus Scotland, right, Sam? Sell your stage amount. There's your revenue. It's worth doing. It's not. There's not, no income. It's only telly. It's pointless. Yeah.
0: Absolutely pointless. It is. It's bonkers. Um. So I'll well, be short, so Scotland and the Euros as well. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't chosen my team for the Euros yet, but it certainly won't be <laughs> England. Um, there's no Nigeria for me to choose that I normally do, so I'm a bit stumped at the minute. Um, I just want to stick with Salah for the moment. So um, if you haven't seen it yourself, uh, and if anyone else hasn't seen it, on TalkSport, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, uh, Andy Goldstein, that well-known United fan, uh, and Jamie O'Hara, former Tottenham player, were talking about uh, Mohamed Salah, if he was a world-class player. Now, what they said on there was... So, no, sorry. What Andy Goldstein said was that Son was world-class, but he didn't know if Mohamed Salah was world-class. And strangely, Jamie O'Hara said Son is world-class, but he's not on Salah's level yet, which is right. probably... I don't personally. I don't see class. Uh, I don't see Son as world class. I think he's. I think he's a brilliant player, um, but I don't quite see him as world class. So my question to you is very simple, and I put it on Twitter, and I'll, I'll go through a couple of a um, couple of the responses I got, um, crucially in a minute. But my question to you is simply: Is Salah world class?
1: My answer to you is simply yeah. And if you can't see it, you're a fucking blumange. He's world class. <laughs> His stats are world class, his performances are world class, the goals he scores is world class, his passing in behind is world class, the runs he makes into the box is world class, and he's world class.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I don't see how you could call him anything. other than world class with, you know, the last sort of three and a bit seasons that he's had with us. Um he's outscored everybody in the league. I don't think um I, I, I don't know about assists, but I know he, he's high on that. In terms of goals and assists together, not, you know, there's not not many close to him in the league for the last three seasons. So I don't see how you can say that someone like Son is world class and that Salah isn't. Um, it just doesn't make a blind bit of sense. Like it baffles me that it absolutely baffles me. But when you,
1: I said I said to you a few weeks ago, didn't I, that we disregard Salah's talent so much, even our fan base doesn't regard him as highly as we should. He should walk on water because he's phenomenal and he he puts it in. Sometimes, the only way I can explain him is like, and I say it all the time, Torres, but Torres could not be visible for 90 minutes and pop up with a goal because he had that magic in him and Salah's the same. He's one of them players you can't risk taking off because he's got that bit of magic in him no matter where he is on the pitch. He can just create something or get on the ball and make something happen. So he's one, he'll go down. If he stays with us for another few years, he'll go down as one of our best ever players, just based on stats alone. Yeah. Take take away, even without the fans, take away all the moments he's given us, the fantastic goals, the assists, the the mad runs down the wing, the, the cup finals he's got us in, the titles he's won us. Forget them he'll go down
0: just on stats alone on as as one of the best players ever to play for the club. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, for me, there's no argument against it. So from 306 votes on Twitter, uh, 98% said yeah, and 2% said no. So I don't know if that's one or two people. Um, I did ask people who said no to just give their reason for why, and one person did. I'm just going to get that up very quickly. So... At first, he just said, uh, Not sure, and that's why over the last three seasons I found them frustrating to watch. Too greedy, wasteful decision making is his comment. Uh, I replied, Do you think Harry Kane or Sergio Aguero are well class? Said Aguero is. Uh, I said, What makes what sets them apart then? And he just said, He's Aguero's an all rounder, he can score with his left foot, his right foot, and his head. He's got better movement, which I don't agree with, and he's more clinical. Possibly, I'd I possibly agree with the more clinical part. I think Salah. Probably does need does get more chances in a game and has more shots. But no, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I'm
1: not having it. I, I'm, he scores with his left foot, his right foot, and his head. So does Salah. His
0: movement's better. It's not. No, his movement's not better. How many times does he
1: on the shoulder of the last man and just pluck it out the air from nowhere?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, no, I'm not. I don't, and don't get me wrong, Aguero's absolutely fantastic. But unfortunately, for your
0: mate on Twitter, Salah's better. <laughs> no, I, I I agree, especially the last few seasons. And know Aguero's had his injury problems and stuff like that. And he's a phenomenal. He's going to go down as a Premier League legend. Aguero, you can't deny it. The goals he scored, it's you know, it's there. The proof's in the pudding. But um as I say, the only one that could be a, an argument with, in my opinion, is the sort of Aguero being more clinical. As I say, Salah does get five, six, seven, eight chances a game and might only get one or two goals. I'm not bothered <laughs> if it takes that many for him to score, and he wins us a game. He was asked.
1: Yeah, do you know what lads? Well, it's one of them. Some again, some of the shots he has and aren't, aren't even on. He just makes them happen. Yeah. But don't get not very often when you see Salah in front of the goal with a clear cut opportunity and it not at the net. Mm. Um, also, like as you've just said, then you, you've just you've just compared it to. Harry Kane and Aguero who are out and out strikers. That's how good Mohamed Salah is. He's getting he's playing playing right wing and he's getting compared to some of the best strikers we've had in the league because his stats are on par with theirs, his goal scoring's on par with theirs, he's had a golden boot, he's beaten strikers to golden boots. It it's fucking bizarre. It's outrageous that he's not it's unheard of. Um, (laughs) Like I
0: I put a thing on, on Twitter a few days before that and basically just said, I think we need to start a conversation now about Salah potentially being the greatest wide man that the Premier League has ever seen. And not only in three seasons, but his numbers are so good. Like, Ronaldo's different. Ronaldo come in at a younger age and took some time to sort of hit that world-class level. I think for us, Salah's been world-class from pretty much minute one um since he's been here. Um But... I mean, who else gets close to him in terms of numbers at the minute, in terms of wide players, left or right wing? No one. And it's just phenomenal. I think we're lucky to have him and Mane in the same team at the same time, by the way, because Mane is another one who, I don't know, there's always always going to be that argument now, I think, who's better, Mane or Salah. I think it's unfair to compare them. They're both different. I think they're both greedy, and I think you need greedy players. That's what I mean.
1: Like, imagine they were all like Firmino, and we went to every. Oh, how lovely he passes the ball yeah. to his teammate, but didn't score a goal. So, you need the greedy players to score the goals, and yeah. that's what it's all about. you have, you have, that's why it's a team. You'd have players who would rather pass than score. You'd have players who are mixed, and you'd have players who would, would pull your eyes out your head for a goal. And that's
0: what you need. That's it. You need that bit of like, you need that horrible bastard in terms of greediness up front. Look at Harry Kane. He's horrible. I hate him. I can't stand him. But there's a reason he's got 150 goals in the Premier League in in a relatively short amount of time. I think only Shearer and who was the other one? I can't remember Shearer and somebody else are the only two players to to get uh, to 150 Premier League goals quicker than him. I think it was Aguero actually. And um, they're the only two players to get there quicker. But you look at some of the stuff. You know, he's horrible. As I say. that that one where he stole the goal off him um, Erickson a couple of seasons ago very good not touch it but he was adamant he did and that's that's what the best strikers have got about them they are greedy you have got to be to get to that level where they're considered the best in the world and right now in Mohamed Salah's position you can't for me you can't deny that he is the best in the world in his position by far both, both
1: sides left and right wing there's no one like
0: him there's no one
1: and that, that's Fantastic. the beauty of that's the both like you have wingers who are wingers who are like Say for instance, your Stuart Downings and that who will get the ball, run up the wing and cross it in the box. That's a winger. These are these are a different breed of animals obviously they're a different kettle of fish than Downing, But <laughs> when you think of like, when when you discuss a winger, your you winger is like go up the go up the wing, cross it in. You, yeah. know, you get the rare ones like your Giggses and like your robins, who will cut inside and go for goal. These are getting in behind like strikers. These are running defenders and skinning them left, right, and centre. Did a different these two left and right wingers, but it wasn't just
0: a different breed of footballer. And (laughs) glass, you know what? I think as well. I think Jota has got a bit of that in him as well. Where even if he's playing out wide, he's going to play more like a striker, which is which is brilliant. It's exactly the right type of player we need to be bringing in when one of them is out. So you know, game against Leicester, we know we're not going to have Salah because of COVID. Jota can go in there straight away you still have Mane on the other side and have Firmino up front. I don't even think it's like, um, if it, I think it's going to get to a point
1: where it's not if the other two are missing. I think the three of them are going to be able to interlink that much. They're going to just be able to rotate through the game. So you might have, you say for instance, you could have a 30-minute spell where Mane's up front and Jota's left wing and then you could swap them and then you could swap Jota with Salah and you could have the three of them having to go up front and on each wing and it's, Imagine coming up against that, not knowing where each one's playing. They're just yeah. all in the middle, and then you're just like, "Oh my god!"
0: Be had, Go as ahead. a defender, your head would fall off. Yeah, and like that's what you want to see. Like the way we dismantled um Atlanta the other week, who with uh, the highest scorers in Serie, a, and they didn't trouble us whatsoever. They had, they had a, they've always had a good defense as well, from from my understanding of them. I'm not overly sort of in the know about them, but I, I. I Pretty sure they've got a decent defense behind them, and we just tore them to pieces. And it was just like you say, that interchange between the front three was just was out of this world in that game. Yeah, I'm sure. On our our way to playing, then they
1: would scored like twenty three goals in the last four or five games or something. Like yeah. Salame something like that. And then we just uh, obliterated them, didn't
0: we? Great one.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so the other player I just want to ask you a question about today is a uh, is Jordan Anderson. So the reason I'm asking this is I've seen a stat. Um, the other day, that in, I think, I can't remember how, he's, in so many minutes this season anyway that he's played, Jordan Ensign hasn't been dispossessed of possession once and has played the most forward passes in the Premier League. So my question to you is, is Jordan Ensign a top two midfielder in the Premier League for now, let's just say? And the only person I'm putting him in, in the same, bracket alongside at the moment is De Bruyne. <laughs> he's in. The presence of greatness
1: with De Bruyne or any, but um, it's hard it's a, it's, it's a hard question because De Bruyne's ability to, to kill a defence with a one pass and to just change a game is up there the probably the best ever but yeah, he does not feel really that defensive help as much, mm-hmm. so Henderson's an all-rounder. And if I if I had to pick a if I had to pick a start eleven playing 4-4-2, Jordan Henderson would be my first midfielder in the team. So that's the only way I can answer your question. Um, whether he's the two the top two best midfielders in the league. In certain things, maybe not, but he he does a bit of everything. Brilliant. So yeah, he'd be, be my first midfielder on my team sheet in a
0: Premier League eleven. OK. See, for me, I just think, and it's something I've said about him for a number of years, I've always been a fan of Jordan Henderson's, even when fans were getting on his back a couple of seasons ago because he was obviously playing deeper. And I think what we've got to remember there is we got almost spoiled with him in that 13-14 season when he was absolutely phenomenal. And that was when everyone thought he would kind of thing. And then he kind of took a step back. But that's how Klopp wanted them to play at the time. Now we're, we're really seeing that sort of well-rounded. Well, you can't, you can't say anything but world-class midfielder right now. He's been phenomenal for the last two seasons, three, you know, for the last two seasons, he's been phenomenal. Um, and he's, again, he's <laughs> he's the only player I've ever known of Liverpool who has had to turn the fans around on the side twice. And oh no. on. Normally you turn
1: no. the fans around and that's it. No, well, he... See so some people are of the mindset that once they've got an infield, they have got an infield and that you can't return. But he did return for a few. I never had an issue with him. Um only I think when he was playing a defensive role, I actually I said to me when we were watching the match, I said to me, oh just look at him, just dissect the pitch. There's a there's a 40-yard ball through the middle on. If he plays it, he strikes us one on one, but he chooses to play it sideways. And he'd done it a few times. And my dad said to me, yeah, you're right. He, he hasn't got that risk about him. But now he has. And his passing is phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. And he, he could play 10, 15, 30, 40-yard balls a game. He just does it constantly. I loved watching that video of him with no, obviously no sound other than Jordan Anderson's voice. And he's encouraging everyone. He's screaming at everyone. You can hear him roaring, and he's a proper, he's a proper proper captain, and he's a proper boss footballer. And we are seeing, I think we're seeing the best of him now. Um, he's what is he thirty? Yeah, <laughs> he's turned thirty. So sometimes players get to that fig- that age, and they start dropping a little bit. He's not; he's getting better and better. And I think he's got that that character build where Rodgers was going to sell him, and he didn't. He wanted to stay. He wants to fight for his place rather than playing every week for Fulham. He chose to stay. He's had to knock on Klopp's door and say, like, where'd you see me? Played him centre-defensive mid, told him he'd give him the chance when it when it came. And then what I read the other day, when Fabinho came, Henderson thought that was it. He was done for. His role was finished. But no, Fabinho come in and he plays centre-mid now and it's, it's working brilliant for him.
0: Yeah. And us. And us. Yeah. Completely agree, I just think he's been phenomenal, I'd say, standout one of the standout performers from last season, rightly got a player of the year and I think the way he started this season he's, he's on for back-to-back player of the years and he's going to get the proper ones, the PFA ones as well this time around, the way he's going at the minute um, Yeah, he's been brilliant, lad. i made up for him it's, you know, the lad, he's never give up, like you just, like just touched on there, he's never ever give up, he gives 110% every single game even, you know there's always been I think there was questions for a little bit about his, his injury because I know he's got like a, he already had a heel problem, um, which everyone thought was going to hamper him and it hasn't. Um, you know, he's proved the like of said, Alex Ferguson wrong with with that statement in his book. Um and he's just I think he's kind of epitomised the sort of from doubters to believers sort of mindset that we've we've had the last couple of seasons. I think he's sort of the, the key component to that. Because I think when we bought him, he was what twenty? Was he twenty or twenty-one when we bought him? Yeah. Again, just splash big on some kid who's never going to do anything, and now he's, you know, arguably achieved more at Liverpool than Steven Gerrard did. So it's just I'm made up for him. I just think he's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one when you mention Gerrard, but I think um, I think he's grown into the captaincy. I did I did say a few years back that I think. Some decisions have been made in the past, um, taking the captaincy off someone to maybe loosen the shackles a little bit, take the weight off them. But I said, I think that was something we should have done with Emerson in the earlier um, years of him having the armband. I think he struggled a little bit, but oh, I'll put me now on the line here. He's probably a better captain than Gerard in terms of what he offers vocally, um, the encouragement he gives lads on the pitch. And off the pitch, I think Gerard was a little bit quiet, a little bit shy, but he'd he done all his captaincy through his, his ability. Yeah. Whereas Anderson's is his ability, and he's just a genuinely brilliant captain. Like I read that he, before we'd even signed Jota, he was he texted him, If you yeah. need anything, here's where I am, here's my number, get in touch. And you just, Jota said that, things like that, that's just, you're at ease as soon as you walk through the door,
0: Melbourne. Yeah. You've already, you've already weird. got like a, a you've already got a friend in there straight away as soon as you join joining, which is which is going to be massive for anybody. And I think that's part of the reason why so many of the signings we've been making the last few years are settling in instantly because the feeling like part of the group straight away. Um I think the only sort of one who's took a little bit of time, but he's, he's finally starting to come good is, is uh, Minamino. Aye, 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 <laughs> aye, 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 aye. Don't you know Minamino comes from
1: Japan? <laughs>
0: Sorry, I love it. It's a great song. Um, yeah, I just think he's. I just like you say, and I I agree to a point to an extent about him being a better captain than Gerard. I think I've always said that you have captains who either lead by actual sort of leadership on the pitch, vocally, the way Henderson does. But then you have captains who just lead by example with the way they play, and I think it was the same like Alan Shearer. Um, at Newcastle, for instance, I don't think he was a good captain in terms of being vocal and stuff like that. He was just their best player, and so he was somebody to lead by example, kind of thing. And I think that was the, the same with Gerard. But I think Gerard was lucky because he had Carragher behind him, who was that vocal vocal figure in the squad and wouldn't let anyone's head drop, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think with Gerard without Carragher, I don't think we'd have been. Don't get me wrong,
1: I don't want to sound like we're having a go with Gerard. Gerard is absolutely fantastic and a uh, brilliant captain delivered for us he carried the weight of the whole club on his fucking shoulders for 20 odd years um, and he played in some shit teams as well and he, he got them sophies. but without Carragher being vocal I don't think he gets the support of the players as he would have if he was on his own because he was a bit quiet yeah. Um, but he must have had something about him because you, you don't go to Rangers and talk down to some of them footy players and get away with it and he, he's doing a good job down there so yeah, just got a name. Right. Just you've got the two different players, and Jordan Anderson's doing his own thing. But as I say, I think ability-wise, Henderson'll never be a Steven Gerrard. But in his own right, he's world class in this Liverpool team and in this area of football. But as a captain, I think he's he's more there for his players.
0: Yeah,
1: and I could be wrong. Someone could pop up and tell me a story, Steven Gerrard, when he put his arm around someone or whatever, someone was down, but. Think Gerard had his favourites and those who weren't his favourites, it I don't think he spoke to a lot.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, let's hope it continues for a long time with Hendo. Um yeah, well, he's he started the season fantastic and as I say if we can keep him fit, I think we'll be largely sound for the for the full season. Um so the Will last thing be
1: in a shuffle for a, um, a few more years on the bounce, hopefully lot
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Let's hope he does it so much he has to retire because he's fucking pulled so many muscles from shuffling or something. <laughs> 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 nah, um, yeah. The last thing, obviously, to touch on today then was just um, Melwood. We've officially left. Uh, we've gone to Kirby, and um, yeah, just wanted to sort of touch on that. I think it's been nice seeing all the ex players' memories and stuff on on Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Um, and it's it's going to be it's going to be big a big miss for the club. It, it, Again, it sounds like we've kind of lost. You know, we've just sold like salad, or <laughs> the way we talk about Melwood. But it, it it does it has that sort of effect. I don't think there's any other training ground in the world that gets spoke of the same way Melwood does. Um, even in the tribute I was just watching for for Ray Clements before we come on. Um, that's one of the first things he mentions when you walk into Melwood, and it's it's just like a different world kind of thing. And it's it was it was a special place. Um. And I say the club, we're going to miss it.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest, I've been watching the videos and I've been watching ex-players from the likes of McAteer to John Aldridge, um, Phil Thompson, you know what I mean? Mixes of legends and mixes of people who've played for the club, but every single one of them has been touched by Melwood and I've got a story to tell, so they're all important. But it... I proper was saddened by it when I was watching the videos and that. I was gutted. When you think Shankly's walked them grounds and Paisley and Fagan, and Moran and that, Taglish, it's just sad, lads, I think. I feel as though. They're just like, this is how I feel about it. I feel like they're just closing the door on all the ghosts and they're all still there and it proper saddens me. But hopefully they find a way to Kirby and they can help us carry on winning because I think a lot of our identity... And I think a lot of our success has been down to Melwood. And I'm just, even even little things like where it's right in the community, it's right there, you can stand on the wall and on a bin and you can watch over the wall and you can see them training and people can watch them from their houses. and just, it's, it's lost all that. Yeah, And as much as I agree that something had to be done where the first team and the the under 23s and all that just the kids were all together I just wish there was a way they could have done it at Melwood
0: yeah no I do agree I think it would have been nice to be able to keep Melwood um, but obviously I think Kirby was already there anyway obviously the academy was already there I think it made more sense to to move the first team to Kirby than the youth team to to Melwood um, obviously I know you mentioned the last time we talked about Melwood um That you you heard about them possibly renaming uh, the Kirby Training Ground after uh, Ronnie Moran. Yeah. So I I had a little. Made nothing Well, I had a little look up about that uh, myself, and I I don't think there was ever any concrete plans for that. I did see one thing where Phil Thompson suggested that it should be named after Ronnie Moran, um, but I don't think there was any actual plans for the club to do that. Well, been... I think uh, I've seen a thing from Carragher the other day actually, and Carragher
1: posted it saying, Do what's right and name it after Moran. So somewhere along the line, oh, it's right. been discussed because um, Moran's son retweeted um, it. Um, and I think, again, everyone, like, there's, not, there's so many legends at the club, you can't give everyone something. You can't name a stand after everyone. You can't build everyone a statue. But you don't have Shankly and Paisley without Moran. You don't mm. have Taglish and Evans without Moran. It doesn't work. The history of our club isn't there without Ronnie Moran. Yeah. He was one of the main figures. And he, needs, he, deserves, to, he deserves to be immortalised in the club. And I think if he doesn't get a statue, um, something he was very much part of was the training. Yeah. So name the training complex after him. If you want to call it Axa Facility in memory of Ronnie Moran, absolutely charm. Yeah. What? Well, put him in there. Ronnie he out. deserves it.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, um, like but- you say, he does deserve to be immortalised. And you know, I think even a good touch would be if they wanted to go down the statue, do. don't have it at Anfield, have it at have it at the training ground kind of thing to to sort of, again, immortalise that work that he did do in, in building the club because, like you say, without him, there's no, you don't get Paisley, you don't get shankley you don't get Daglish Evans, you don't get any of it without Ronnie Moran. Um, so, he is somebody that the club needs to immortalise and I'd like to think that, you know, the locker needs a something to do to, to immortalise him.
1: Yeah, hopefully, lad. So, it's, uh, it's, I think I say it's saddening because you've got the likes of Bill and Bob and Ronnie, Joe Fagan have all passed and they've all walked on Melwood. And when you think about it, I I do feel as though they're still very much with us, past the club. I think that's why when you do watch videos of like the past and when they do the compilations of the past with the present and it's, you know, from the the old days to the, the current days where we're winning success, I think that's why there's so much of a feel for it. It's because we're living what our parents and our, our relatives have lived back in the years. We're, we're going over that again. They're all feared like it's the sea. So to, to lose, lose a place like Melwood is is proper saddening, but to gain a place like Kirby in, in modern football is massive. It's one of the best spawn facilities on the planet. And hopefully everyone who's who's been to Melwood, who's still with us, will get a chance to go there.
0: And anyone who's not will be remembered in there. Yeah, well like we know, the club one thing the club's very good at is immortalising people who deserve to be immortalised. So um don't you know these people are never gonna never gonna be forgotten at the club. Um, you know, there's a reason we still sing songs on, you know, match days and stuff like that about, you know, Stevie Iway, um, you know, Shankly, Paisley, all these people they're never ever gonna be forgotten. So um I just hope, like you say, I hope Ronnie Moran gets put in the same bracket because he deserves it. Definitely. Um, well, that, that's it for today. So thanks very much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please make sure you subscribe. Uh, and as ever, you know reviews are very helpful to us and, and very welcome. Um, also, if you're new to the podcast, uh, make sure you go back and check out our interview with Johnny Owen, um, who is the director of The Three Kings, uh, which is a film which will be out on the 16th uh, about Shankly Matt Busby and Jock Steen and it was really good to talk to him about it. And he's a, uh, yeah, go and go and check that out if you if you're new, because that was a good episode. But um yeah, I think the right thing to do with this one is we are gonna sort of dedicate this episode uh, to the memory and the life of Ray Clemens. So again, uh, rest rest in peace, Ray. I'm thinking of the family.
1: Yeah, dedicated to Ray, There's 665 games for Liverpool. Five league titles, one FA Cup, one League Cup, three European Cups and two UEFA Cups. Back with Bill and Bob Wright. Rest in peace. When you walk through a storm Hold your head up high And don't be afraid
0: Woke on through the wind Woke oh, on through the rain Network.